Welcome to the program. I'm Jeff Sheckman. In looking at the world today, not just at our politics, but our social and moral climate, it's easy to conclude that there is no hope. Things fall apart, the center does not hold, and it does seem as if, in Yeats's words, mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. So what do we have to be hopeful about? The answer, it seems, lies deep within each of us, not from some outside force. And while we're feeling doomed and overwhelmed, it's important to remember, as my guest Anne Lamott says, that almost everything will work out if you unplug it for a few minutes. In her new work, Almost Everything, she lays out some guideposts, some touchstones to hold on to in the midst of personal turmoil and global chaos. Anne Lamott is the New York Times best-selling author of Hallelujah Anyway, Small Victories, Stitches, Help, Thanks Wow, and Operating Instruction. She's also the author of seven novels. Her latest work is Almost Everything, Notes on Hope. Anne Lamott, thanks so much for joining us once again. Thank you for having me. It does seem that everyone today is filled with dread and hope in some weird combination. Talk a little bit about that. Well, this was why I wrote the book. Um, uh, last spring, 2017, everyone I knew just felt really doomed. And in fact, that was the original title of the book, was Doomed, A Book of Hope. And... Um, and it was partly the political landscape. It was partly the realities of climate change. It was partly what was going on in their own families. And um, so I just started to realize that I was the problem <laughs> as much as anyone was, that, um, that I was contributing to the divisiveness and the, the spew. And, you know, there's a difference between divisiveness and spew and showing up to march for somebody's civil rights. So um, I just started to, there's a chapter in this book called Don't Let Them Get You to Hate Them. And I just started thinking about how I might be able to um, do some of the work on my own fear and anger, which are where um, the hostility springs from, obviously, the fear and the self-loathing and the, and the feeling that we are right. That, um, and I thought, well, that's the one thing I can change. And so when I started doing that, I started to decrease um, the level of, um, hostility that I was feeling, and then that made me feel more hopeful um, about what we could all do together, that we could all start to at least um, be better, not be better people. I don't mean that quite. That's too simplistic. I meant that there were many things we could do. We weren't going to change the world. We weren't going to, the scientists are, are going to, and the youth are going to do the, the healing of the planet. But what I could do was to carry forth a, a warmer message, <laughs> um, a little bit of light, you know, instead of this dark or this cranky or state I was in all the time. And one of the ways that you do that in almost everything, is by first looking at things that you do know for sure, that, that you really looked for what those groundings are in, in your own life yeah. and, and, and in a kind of universal way. Yeah. 
Well, I, I started, I wanted to give to my nephew and my, um, my grandson and my niece everything that I was pretty sure was true. And um, so I made a list when I was uh, turning 61. Um, that was everything I was positive with again, um, if you unplug it and so on. And, and, and um, let's see what that all truth is, paradox and so on. And so sprang from that list of things that I was pretty sure were true, such as, you know, stuff that I also want to tell my, the kids not be afraid of death because when you're young, you are. And um, and just naturally, and also all those slumber parties where kids are singing sc- scary songs about worms and death. And as and I wanted them to know that as they got older, they absolutely would lose people they couldn't live without. That there was no way around it, and um, and that it would be so different than what they were fearing. That there would be so much help and so much hope and so much grace. And it would change them forever in a good way. It would make their lives more um, spacious and expansive to get over this terror that we all share. There are some funny chapters, like there's one that says um, that 85% cacao chocolate was never meant to be an edible, and it's fine. You're not a freak if you don't love it. And that if you have some already, you can use it as shims. Um, if you have wobbly seats and um, wobbly tables or chairs, and then there's there's um, I wanted to tell them everything that I wish people had told me when I was little, such as that everybody thinks they're defective, especially teenagers. Everybody thinks secretly that they're kind of a fraud, or that the jig is up, or you know, or that if people know them too well, they'll get to know them too well, they'll run screaming for their cute little lives. And I wanted to say to the young ones, we, everyone's this way. Don't compare your insides to other people's outsides because the outsides are sort of like storefronts, you know, and, and their insides are almost exactly like yours in all important ways. And, and one of the things you, you say about that is that everyone is scared. And it really makes you wonder, are they more scared today? Is, is everyone more afraid today than they were 20 years ago? And, and is it because they're spending more time comparing their insides to what's going on in other people's outsides? Well, I think the realities of climate change are extra terrifying. But there were times when a head cold could kill a child or an elderly person because we didn't have antibiotics. So they've all... And, you know, there, there, there's always been a very high level of fear in any any community because of all the different threats to the to the little ones and to to their own lives. But I think that yeah, I think everyone would agree that the political realities right now, the divisiveness is really just terrifying. It's not, I was raised in the 60s and 54 I was born, I mean, and um, it was so different. I mean, politics was still a kind of elegant um, arena and people tried to work out things for the common good. And I think the fact that that's a thing of the past, although maybe making a comeback, um, is terrifying. It's like, all the things that we used to use to feel safe don't work anymore. Then, the, you know, the UN climate change is just right. 
terrifying how I have a nine-year-old here and he is going to be living in some sort of cataclysmic um, natural reality within 10 to 15 years. So, yeah, so we're really scared. I think there's good reasons to be scared. I think people have always been afraid. And we've always tried the same things to feel less afraid, which is to dominate others or to achieve power and glory or material rewards. And um, they never—they didn't work then and they won't work now. But what's always worked is community action, uh, doing the best we can and taking care of each other and, 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 and you know, t- taking some time off to rest and helping feed the hungry. And, you know, I'm a huge believer when you don't know what to do and you're overwhelmed by Washington, D.C. or your your neighbor, your neighbor's behavior down the street, you go out and you pick up, well, you pick up litter. <laughs> you know, it's the one small thing you can do that makes the world a bit better. You go out and you say hi to every single neighbor you see and you ask who they, how they are even if they have really bad dogs and uh, <laughs> you do this small act with love that you are able to do that day so um, I don't know I mean I feel I, I, I wrote the book probably for myself but as much as for anyone but I really want to say to um, the young ones no matter what happens in the coming years these things have always worked you know, look up, look up. You can trap, my pastor always says, you can trap bees at the bottom of a mason jar because they don't look up. You, know, you don't need a lid. And, um, and, and we're like that. And, to, and we could fly away. We could be okay today. We could be people of service and generosity. We could, if we're bringing other people hope, then, um, then hope exists. One of the other points you make is that we have to find those answers inside, that we shouldn't necessarily yeah. look for someone to help us or to lead us or to get us out or of this. Or save us, yeah. Or save us, right, that it has to be, as you say, an inside job. Yeah, no, it's true. We're, we're taught this way. Everything in the culture, every movie, every TV show, every commercial, every magazine is about the... Um, the assertion that you can buy or date or achieve or lease something that's going to change how you feel about yourself. And it will for several hours, and then you'll just be back where you were. To take away the kids' hope that they can achieve it or get their weight to a certain point or or this or that, to tell them, it's just, I totally accept you trying it, but it won't work, but here's what might. Here's what might work instead of the new uh, down jacket. I mean, you need to stay warm. But what might work is if you try to figure out um, some way to take exquisite care of yourself today, such as maybe you need a rest, maybe you need company to go to the movies and sit in the dark and eat M&Ms, which is almost always a solution to everything, And um, in my case. Um, 
and that you teach kids to look within. What are you needing? What do you, what do you want to eat? Lettuce isn't good food and bread isn't bad food. Lettuce and bread are neutral. You know, what do you need? Do you want some toast? Let's make some toast instead of a salad. The salad, if you don't, if you want bread, won't fill you. So I wanted to tell them that, um, that certain, ways of getting centered and quiet on the inside will reveal truth to them that the outside world and certainly social media doesn't have to offer. Did the, you, you mentioned that you just came back from book tour. Given the subjects that you're writing about, this sense of, of the need for hope and all the things that, that you touch on, as you were out there, did this book tour feel any different did, did you have a different sense of what was happening out there? I really feel people's terror and discouragement um, um, from both sides of the aisle and um, just this feeling that we're doomed. And we're not. Of course, we've been in terrible, terrible places before. Terrible. And uh, um, I felt that people are... Um, we're feeling kind of desperate this time and um, and disoriented. But, you know, it's partly this 24-7 news cycle and, and bombardment of information and, um, you know, terrible updates, awful updates. Like, while we're on the phone now, when I get off the phone, it could ha- turn out that something awful had happened that's what it's been like for the last month and um what do you do in the face of that well you don't have to stay fixated to the tv it's okay if you do but you could call a friend you could call somebody who um has really really been close to the edge you could maybe you need to um, find something to read that that has always helped you restore your faith in humanity and your faith in in life itself maybe you know you probably don't need to shop but if you do (laughs) i authorize that i support that but uh but that then you shop without shame then you say to yourself i need to go Spend. I'm gonna go spend thirty bucks on makeup. You know, <laughs> sue me. But it, that's a radical. That's radical self care if that's really what you want to do. So, I just wanted to tell people we've been here before. We've been through terrible, dire straits. Our families have survived unsurvivable losses, but we stuck. We stuck together. We kept showing up with our best selves. We learned to listen. We shared what we had. And one day at a time, um, we came through, and we came through changed, and we also usually came through transformed. And, um, like, there's a lot in the new book about um, the fires in the wine country Mm -hmm. and the complete and utter devastation. I was there a lot, and it looked like nuclear bombs had fallen. My son was up there a lot with, it's funny, I think I wrote about this in almost everything, um, he was up there with packets, packages of sports bras because the people at the relief centers would say, we have tons and tons and tons of clothes, but these used bras are a little depressing. So he went up there one day with 20 of them. He said, how do you think I'll explain this to my accountant? And I said, oh, <laughs> good luck. But um, but the a resurrection, the the non-spiritual, I mean, non, not non-spiritual, non-religious resurrection of that whole area is so profound and 
exhilarating, and it still sucks. It's awful that it happened. It happened partly because of global warming and and um, you know it. In the it's it's uh, it's tender up there now, but um, the res the renewal individually and as a community um, um, has been so inspiring to people all over the country. You know, and what comes from Pittsburgh, not just the young people's mobilization of marches and what, but what comes from Pittsburgh will inspire the entire country. And Lamott. Her book is Almost Everything, Notes on Hope. And it is always a pleasure. I thank you so much for spending time with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you.